I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Run Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Saran Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar with what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around, but it's going to be the same thing here, except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we're taking a look at the Washington Redskins, some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season for Washington. And Gene, you can kick this one off. Go right ahead. I think the one thing I want to know is, is Jay Gruden an elite level coach? I'm going to respond to that with very simply and say, no. He's definitely not an elite level coach. I like some of the things that they did as far as their, uh, you know, using Deshaun Jackson to stretch the field so that they could work Crowder underneath. But you look, I mean, Deshaun Jackson himself, you know, had to go to him and demand the football more. And anytime a weapon like that has to ask for the football more, I think that's a problem. So I don't think he's an elite level coach. He he focuses primarily on the offensive side of the ball. I. If for a guy to be elite, I need him to to be able to have some input on both sides, and he pretty much has just left the defense to uh, Greg Minuski this year, and uh, you know uh, what Haslett, I think it was in, in the past. So I, I don't see him being an elite coach at all. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you, uh, Teron. Um, there's no way in the world that he is an elite level coach. Um, this is guy's just he's very rigid. Um, he's stuck in his ways. He's not going to find or you know work with what he has he's going to look for players that okay this is what they do and they're just one-dimensional guys and this is what we're going to do on offense and I cannot stand a coach that way uh if I were running a team he could not be my head coach um I, I that's I just have to put it out there that way um you know anytime that he has a player that is multifaceted or multi-dimensional he's not going to get the most out of that player. And that's exactly why um, Jay Gruden, in my opinion, just he is not an elite level coach and just will never be that. So I agree with both of you all. I do not think he is. I think he's an average to above average coach. But here's why I don't think he's an elite level coach. The situation when he first got there. I'm not going to forget about the RG3 situation because I've never seen a guy in this era handle a situation with a quarterback like that so outwardly flagrant in a negative fashion that showed poor leadership 
And while he can be a good coordinator, to me, he is a an average-ish head coach. I say, yeah, when, when, what I think he does is he, he, he knows how to um, – his play calling, I think, is fine, but he's dealing with his, what, a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator this year. I want to say this is maybe his third one since he's been the head coach in Washington. And being a head coach is more like being like a CEO. And there was a lot of issues uh, with this team, and guys are, are vacating the nation's capital. Um, more so before the, before Trump got there, people trying to leave Washington. So I think him as a head coach, I think he's better suited as an offensive coordinator because I do like some of the things he he does. He's made Kirk Cousins look, you know, better than what he looked at Michigan State, although that's still average. So I just think he's better suited to be a coordinator as opposed to being a head coach. And I agree with all you guys. I, I asked the question because I really, I really have reservations about him as a coach and for many of the reasons that you guys said but all but really um looking at what Emory and what and what Chris said you just have to be a better communicator of other grown millionaires and he doesn't seem to respect people on the level that you need to respect people when you are in a position of power um, especially when they're they're the people that you're relying on to keep your job. I mean, for Christ's sake, he made Raheem Morris, who was a defensive back coach, end up as a wide receivers coach in Atlanta. Um, that that's a, that's impressive. I mean, he made a dude on one of skedaddle so bad that he just went to the other side of the ball to get away from him. Um, that, that says a lot about who you are as a person. Look at the amount of talent that you've seen leave um, the Washington the Washington area via um, trade or via release or people just leaving as free agents, um, whether that be players or whether it be coaches. Um, I think it, it says a lot about you as a head coach and people don't want to be around you. Yeah. And, you know, just to wrap that up, one of the things and CJ, you mentioned it, how he handled that, that situation with Robert Griffin. I, I tell you what really bothered me about that is that he sold Dan Snyder and, and, and that, that franchise on his ability to make things work with him. And he so quickly abandoned ship when things didn't go as as well as as he thought they would go so I, I have a problem with that but gene you mentioned guys flowing right out of the building what is this offense that's my question how is this offense going to you know from a receiver perspective respond to the loss of pierre garcon as well as deshaun jackson to be quite frank with you i don't believe they do um you know, they, they have some guys, you know, Jamison Crowder, uh, Josh Doxson. You've got uh, Terrell Pryor there. You're relying on a guy like Terrell Pryor to do what he did last year. Um, go up in, in the air and make some plays. Um, throw it up to him, see what he can do. He is such an elite-level athlete who should still be playing quarterback, but I digress. Um, He's not the type of guy that's going to create separation despite the fact that he's down there running a 4-3. The reason being is that he's not a precise route runner at all, and guys are going to be all over, guys are going to be draped all over him. So that's going to make allowances for DBs to be right there and, and be there in the vicinity to make a play on the football. And, um, you know, yeah, Jamison Crowder might be able to do some things. Uh, it's still yet to be determined what, what Dotson can do. Um, 
but I, I just don't feel as though you ever make up for um, you know guys like Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon um, with with that group. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Uh, no, and the reason being is let's go ahead and realize what they lost. Pierre Garçon is a former ninety plus catch guy. I think he might have caught a hundred balls in the season. Uh, he's a pro's pro. He's been doing it for a while. Deshaun Jackson was a game changer. He still is to some extent, but at one point he was one of the go-to game changers as a, as a receiver. We could use him on end rounds and in the return game. You don't just replace that, especially with a lot of young guys, including, yes, a former first-round pick in Doxon, Ryan Grant, who, I, I mean, I like the pick, the guy out of Tulane. Uh, some of these guys I did like, but easily replace that. So even with having talent, it's young talent. You can't replace that veteran type guy. Yeah, it's going to have to be with a bunch of different players. And I'm a big fan of undrafted rookie Zach Pascal out of Old Dominion. I think he's going to be one of those sleeper guys that show up in, in training camp and in the preseason. But they're going to probably ask a lot of Jeremy Sprinkle, the rookie tight end. Um, they're expecting Josh Doxon to stay healthy, which is something he has had issues with dating back to TCU. You don't want to put a lot on Jameson Crowder plate. The one thing that made him very good as a receiver was the fact that he had Garcon and Deshaun Jackson taking a lot of that pressure off of him. So we still have the unproven talent like Gene talked about with Terrell Pryor, uh, Josh Doxson. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's where they're probably going to take their lumps earlier in the season, which is why it's going to be so important for them to get the ground game going and try to take some of that pressure off Cousins in that passing game because that's two dynamic playmakers that they lost. Well, for me, I, I look at it as they have they have a world of trouble. Um, they have a number three receiver masquerading as a number one now in Crowder. You've got a number two receiver who's essentially going to be used in a, a semi-prehistoric offense um, as, as a blow-the-top-off guy. Let's see how many times he, he runs a nine route when he knows he's not getting the ball before he decides that he's no longer going to run those nine routes hard. Um, and, and, and we'll see if Terrell Pryor is really dedicated to becoming an elite-level receiver, i.e. learning how to you know, separate, learning how to step on top of, the, of, of defensive backs when he gets up on top of them, um, or is he just going to be a guy who relies on his athleticism at the position because that's what everybody else said that he needed to do in the first place? Um, I, I don't have uh, – Dotson, he's, he's, a brittle, he's a brittle bone guy. You know, so is he going to hold up in the NFL when people start tagging him in the body? You've got Jeremy Sprinkle, who's who's a who's a a good a good tight end prospect, but still stiff in the hips, and and it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Um, can other people stay healthy? I just there's a lot of, and then you have this this umbrella of Kirk Cousins hanging over the head of everybody, and what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins. Like, are they, are they dedicated to him? I think that's going to affect the team um, as a whole, and it's definitely going to affect the relationship with the receiving core. So I don't, I don't believe they're going to have um, that great a season um, from, from, the, from, the, from the outside. Teron, did uh, you want to finish that one up? No, I mean, I think you guys pretty much wrapped it up. I mean, Jordan Reed is a guy I think you have to mention also. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we talked about the concussion issue with him. If he could stay healthy, that will help them out. And, um, you know, my question comes from uh, the other side of the football. Uh, you saw a lot last year where 
uh, Josh Norman, you know, he wasn't following receivers across the field, you know, from one position to the other. And, you know, he was kind of challenged a, a lot on that, you know, through the media. And uh, people were saying he was scared to cover certain guys. So uh, this year they kind of vowed to, um, you know, allow him to follow receivers all across the field. So number the, you know, better receivers like Odell Beckham Jr. or Des Bryant, he's going to be responsible for, you know, chasing those guys across the field. Do you think that helps or hurts this Redskins uh, defense? I'm glad I get to go first. I think it vastly helps this defense, but they can't have that be the exclusive thing. He can't always follow the number one receiver. You still have to move him around, keep him where he needs to go. But while Josh Norman is not the best cover corner, what Josh Norman is is a huge irritant to the opposing receiver and a bothersome piece to the opposing quarterback. That Monday night game to start the season, they poor Brashad Breeland. They did everything they could to that young man on that game because they wouldn't allow Josh Norman to follow Antonio Brown on some plays, and they made sure to stay away from him. So it will definitely help because it just makes it more diversified as far as the defensive back core. I think it will help them defensively, but it would also probably hurt Bashad Breeland because he's going to have the biggest target on his back. I think when you look at Norman, him playing in your face, being able to play a physical game, probably will yield itself to the boundary. So I understand why they did it last year but they may be in a situation where they don't have the depth. I know they drafted guys, but they have to match best versus best and hope that you can get production everywhere else. So I think it'll be a good thing defensively, but boy, I wouldn't like to be Rashad Breeland this upcoming season because he's going to get his fair share of targets this season from opposing quarterbacks. I personally am going to go another way. I think this is going to show you exactly why um, Carolina was hesitant to want to pay him as much money as he received from Washington. I think this is setting Josh Norman up for a, a tremendously horrible season um, because I do not believe that he is a top 10 coverage guy in the NFL. I think Josh Norman is just another defensive back who with a loud mouth allowed himself to cash in a check and God bless him for it. I'm not get your money anytime you can. But you're going to ask him on a, on a week-in, week-out basis to not only cover um, the best wide receivers, but to follow them everywhere, follow them into the slot. You want Josh Norman covering guys in the slot? I don't want Josh Norman covering guys in the slot. I want him covering guys on the outside. And when he has to go into the slot to take care of, of, of A.B. or he has to go in there and, and deal with the likes of Odell Beckham or he has to switch it up, and, and, and guard some of these bigger, more physical guys and following them around, he's going to get gassed and he's going to get tired. And when he does, he's going to get cooked. And when he does, all you'll hear is, oh, well, man, Josh Norman isn't really earning that contract. No, it's because you're not allowing him to do what he does best. Pit one side, put him on that side, make him comfortable and leave him there and, and take your lumps on the other side. Or here's a novel concept, draft better and put somebody on the other side that's actually a better defensive back. So now you don't need a guy to travel to the other side, a la Seattle. 
Well, if you leave it to uh, some of these draft pundits, uh, Fabian Moreau was a first-round prospect, and they brought him in. But that's a different conversation that we could have. Obviously, we don't agree with that. But the thing that, that I like about Josh Norman is the, the ability that, to torment receivers. And, I mean, there's two guys I could think of that, that could play when they're pissed off. That's uh, uh, angry Doug Baldwin and Steve Smith Sr. These are, are pretty much the only two I could think of that can play angry uh, you know you watch what happened when he was was with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. the for most of the game how he got into his mind and, and took him out of his game even made him drop a touchdown after Odell burnt him on that post so I, I think that's where it, it'll help but I mean you're right receivers could route him you know he, he's someone that you know can, can be beat with, with, with technique so I think it's going to help them, though, because, uh, I mean, what else do they have to go against these these other top uh, receivers? You know what? I, I'm glad we have some uh, different different opinions here on this one. But, and I'm also uh, – I'm going to go with Gene on this one uh, as well. Uh, I don't think that this really helps uh, the Redskins at all. And you look at the, um, the type of receivers in this division. Um, Josh Norman does not do well, particularly – against the likes of players like an Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, everyone references how he was able to get inside Odell's head, but there were a couple of occasions where Odell had him beat, you know, and, and uh, you don't want that guy following Odell Beckham Jr. around for a game, an entire game. I just don't see how that works game in and game out. I think that I'm of the thought process in that particular game. Uh, nine times out of 10, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get that one. Uh, Des Bryant, uh, he's just going to out-physical this guy, you know, and I, a healthy Des Bryant. And uh, I just don't think that in this division he matches up particularly well against the elite wide receivers in there, and he's going to be subject to a lot more scrutiny now that he's going to be uh, covering these wide receivers uh, when they're uh, moving around uh, across the formation. So um, I don't think that – I think that really this move – will end up compromising the Redskins' defense. We've already talked about how the offense has lost some things with attrition and how the defense has been affected in multiple ways. So I pose a simple question. Can the Redskins have a winning record in 2017? Listen, they can because we've seen them have a winning record two years ago. We saw them have a slightly winning record, 8-7-1 and one last year. And just based off talent alone, I think this is a very talented team. I like the individual pieces they have defensively. I love their offensive line. I like their tight end position. I like the potential of the production at the receiving core. I'm a big fan of some IJP, Ryan. And so I think, yes, there's pieces here to win at least eight or nine games. Can they do it? And can those pieces, those new pieces gel? I mean, we talk about Jonathan Allen, Ryan Anderson, uh, those guys helping out the defense initially um, in some good matchup pieces is that it'll be good special teamers like Nico Marley and Fish Smithson. We saw him have a really good trying game and Marley I'm a big fan of. So I think there's enough talent on this roster, which probably ties to the point Gene, the question Gene asked earlier is Jay Gruden an elite head coach because with this roster, I think I can win 10 games. I, I don't, I don't believe I can. And I don't think that, um, I definitely don't think Jay Gruden can. And so, no, I don't believe they can have a winning record this year. I think in order to have a winning record in the NFL, 
you have to at least be able to go 500 in your own division. I think that that's something that has to happen if you want to be, um, if you want to have a winning record. I don't see that happening. I don't see them beating Dallas at all. I don't see them beating the Giants at all. I think that they may be able to get one from the Eagles. Um, and, and right there, that's five losses. Not to mention that they have some some pretty tough out of um out of di- out of district games. Um, so I don't see them winning. I don't see them winning any more than possibly six games this year. And if they get the six, I think that'll be you know what. Let's let's try to grow from there when we try to figure out what we're doing next year. Yeah, I, I see them winning five to six games. Uh, I I don't think that they could they could win eight or or more for sure. Uh, you look at the division. I mean, obviously they'll they have the the Eagles number, so you know they'll win one or or two. You know, at least one of, of those games. The Rams, I think, is a winnable game. Forty Niners. There are some winnable games, but I just don't see them getting to that level of of having a winning record. Not this year. Yeah, I, to be quite honest, I see them as more of a, a six seven win team. Um, when I look at their roster, I feel like there's more questions than uh, than you have solutions or answers. Uh, there's not one thing, in my opinion, that you have that you can hang your hat on uh, with this team. Uh, where are, where are these points going to come from this year? Uh, you've got a quarterback who's uh, perennially is is relatively average. Um, you know, I, I know people will look at the stats and say, "Oh no, he put up this number and that number," but what he's doing is just is nothing nothing spectacular uh from the quarterback position by any means uh and also um you know on defense you know you got a lot of young very good talents out there on defense but you know they're unproven so um i i think that this is going to be kind of more of the redskins year for a lot of the young talent to kind of prove themselves um and, and see where they are from there and then just continue to build through the draft but uh I, this is definitely not going to be one of those years where they, they post a winning season. And just kind of wrap it up. My easy answer on it is no. And I look at just schedule construction. Gene touched on it. You have to be able to win something. And the schedule is generally made. You play six division games. You play four games against a, a division from the AFC and four games against another division from the NFC. And whatever your rank is in your conference, you play those other two teams. So simply put, AFC West, they're not going to have a winning record. In fact, they're going to have a losing record. Best they can do in their own division is likely 3-3, three and three, but I still see a 2-4 and four record there. Then you move on to the NFC West, I believe they play. With that being the case, they may be able to get a split there, but they're not beating Seattle or Arizona. It's just not going to happen. And then they play New Orleans and Minnesota. They might get a split there maybe if they're able to outgun New Orleans on offense or – somehow be able to score against Xavier Rhodes in that secondary, which I highly doubt. So just go ahead and say it. it, It's going to be extremely difficult. They're going to need a good turn of faith to even come close to getting a winning record this season. Well, at least they get Lamar Jackson next year if they don't, you know, in the draft. So uh, (laughs) They're going to put him at wide receiver. Don't worry. Right, right. Team up next to Terrell Pryor. So um, (laughs) my last question for this podcast is, do you believe in Kirk Cousins? That's a that's a great question, Emery. No, I do not believe in Kirk Cousins. Come on. Um, I believe that Kirk Cousins is a serviceable NFL um, quarterback. But to believe in someone means that I believe that he can 
lead me to the promised land. And there is no way in hell I think that Kirk Cousins is ever going to be the quarterback of a Super Bowl winning team. So, no, I don't believe in him. The Redskins themselves don't believe in him. So why the heck should I? I mean, that's really the bottom line. If they believed in him, they would have gotten a deal. Supposedly they made this offer to him. But, I mean, if they really believed in him, a deal would be done. So if they don't, why should I? And that's why I say no. Yeah, I, I like the point that was made uh, the first time by Tehran, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the Redskins, you know, clearly don't believe in him. Otherwise, you know, he, he'd have a deal in place already. Um, there's no way in the world uh, that I look at Kirk Cousins and I say that he's the guy that can lead my franchise and he's going to take me to the Super Bowl. Um, he, he's, he, he's proven that he's the type of guy that, when all the chips are down, he's not going to pick the team up and, and rally, you know, and have them rally in the bigger games, you know, to, to make it happen. And um, I, I just think that if the if the Redskins have aspirations of taking that next step, um, Kirk Cousins isn't going to be their guy. And I think that they already know this. Uh, otherwise, he'd be in the fold for the future already. It's a very interesting question. Uh, Kirk Cousins is my fifth-rated quarterback that year. Had Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, Kellen Moore, even though I was told I was a moron. So I clearly, to some extent, believe in Kirk Cousins. I believe that he can be an NFL starting quarterback. And I surely believe that come next year, Kirk Cousins will be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL because they're already saying it's going to happen. But if I were the GM of a team, I could not put Kirk Cousins as my starting quarterback because I don't believe Kirk Cousins. I, I feel like he's the a mediocre version of Matt Ryan. And <laughs> he's diet Matt Ryan. <laughs> right. Basically. <laughs> diet Ryan. Well, wow. Diet Ryan. Wow. <laughs> I think he's just the NFC East version of uh, Tannehill. So I mean, you're only, you're only going to get so far, man. And I think that's the issue. So I think I pretty much know where you guys are leaning as far as picks, but just so for the fans out there, uh, Brandon, kick it off. What do you have the Redskins finishing? In 2017, yeah, obviously uh, third uh, in the division. Um, you know, I I think that uh, you know they're they're not going to uh, have a winning record by any means, but you know they'll they'll be right there behind the Giants and the Cowboys. Uh, I like to pass. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming in dead last. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm rolling with dead last on that one, homie. I don't see them winning more than four games this year, so. Yeah, I don't see them winning more than six. And, I mean, Brandon, you talked about his inability to rally. I mean, you guys didn't believe in the video high fives for everyone. You know, <laughs> he came I mean, he came to the – I was like, you like if, that? My if my quarterback came to me with that stuff, man, I, I had <laughs> yeah. to mug him, man. Bro, he, might, he might get slapped. Yeah. Body high high here, fives for everyone. Bro. High fives all around. <laughs> wow. yeah. they, they they going 0 and 16 for that um, but so that's it for this episode of the football cypher make sure to subscribe on itunes and leave us a five-star rating for chris gene brandon and Tehran. i'm emory hunt the czar of the playbook and this has been the football cypher on the football game plan podcast network <laughs>